When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. Geico knows there are many reasons why you ride. From the thrill of the revving engine and pure adrenaline of flying down the highway to the confidence of knowing that Geico always has your back with 24-7 access to claim service. But Ari Snyder has one reason in particular. I had extremely large upper arms. They won't even fit into most shirts. Thankfully, biking really embraces vest culture, so I feel accepted. Geico Motorcycle. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we are coming to you on Sunday, March 1st, getting back officially this week on our two-episode-a-week schedule, coming back to you on Monday mornings. So hopefully you are able to listen to this as you start your work week, and hopefully we can help you start that off on a nice note. Obviously, Mondays aren't great, but we're here to talk about the Chicago Cubs with you. And Brendan, we are recording this on March 1st, a Sunday which is the birthday of the late, great voice of the Chicago Cubs, Harry Carey. And as we move into March, that is a good reminder uh, for all of you to get your preparations, get everything in order for what I what I consider, just people are saying this, Brendan, not me, what I consider one of the biggest birthday days of the Cubs calendar, and that is March 5th, which is a joint celebration of Kyle Schwarber and myself. So are you both going to be celebrating at the same party, or is this going to be more of like a separate type deal? 
you know, I, I texted Kyle, but he didn't get back to me. So Okay, let me know how that goes. I got to figure out which one to go to, you know? <laughs> yeah, a, t- a tough decision to celebrate uh, someone actually on the Cubs and me. Uh, I'll leave that to you. But anyway, uh, we are in the midst of spring training. It is... Uh, kicked off, obviously, and and we're getting these games every day. We've got Chicago Cubs baseball on a daily basis, and now that it is March, Brendan, we can officially say the Chicago Cubs play a regular season baseball game Mm. this month. The Cubs Mm. will be back at Wrigley Field this month. It's all happening. It's all coming together, Brendan. And so we will take a look. I, th- I think for a lot of these spring training episodes and weeks, it's, it's sort of just going to be reviewing and, and talking about anything that stood out to us, trends going on. Uh, we have a, a little bit of news that came through this week, but nothing necessarily uh, franchise shattering, I suppose. Uh, one thing I want to start by mentioning uh, is that Brad Week the left-handed reliever in the Cubs bullpen was found to have an abnormal heartbeat during his pre-spring physical, so he did have a procedure for that, Uh, but they're already talking about him getting back out there, uh, you know, hopefully as the weeks go on, so obviously a very serious issue, but he's he's talked about his desire to uh, get back out there and be back on that mound, so obviously all rooting for him, that's, you know, uh, anything with the heart is obviously very serious, so our thoughts with Brad, and you know, hopefully that is taken care of, and and he's able to get back out there. And I I said to you, Brendan, that this tweet read as if someone had wrote it as satire, right? Like if the Cubs had their version of the Onion, this would be a headline in that satirical newspaper. Uh, but this is real, and this is from Sahadev Sharma of the Athletic. Quote: Brandon Morrow told me he threw Thursday, and his chest felt good. Unfortunately, he was running afterwards and felt something in his calf. Had an MRI yesterday. This was on February 29th, and has a mild tear in his calf, a grade mm-hmm. one plus, and will be sidelined for 10 to 14 days. So, in our last episode, we talked about how he had that pain in his collar bone area when he was throwing and you know it didn't sound like anything major but it was a setback so then he gets back out there starts throwing and hurts himself running uh like I said I I I read that and kind of thought it was a joke at first because it it sort of seemed that way um and like how could somebody have such impossibly bad I mean I don't know if you would call it luck but just fortune but that is real. So as we talked about last time, it's very unfortunate. Uh, it, it's not at a major cost to the Cubs this season, uh, quite the contrary, but he he just can't catch a break. And I, I think we and everybody has kind of reiterated not to count on anything there. It would be very nice if he's able to get back out there. Uh, but this is one of those situations, you know, and, and I'm not trying to speculate, but you just have to wonder, Brendan, like, at some point, if you're Brandon Morrow, like you, you got to get tired of your body kind of giving up on you. I mean, he's putting in an awful lot of work and surgeries and rehabs uh, over these last few years, and he he just can't catch a break. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that. But this is just sort of how it is for the Cubs reliever. 
again, I, I am not a uh, an expert. I am not a doctor, nor do I play one on TV, uh, but it sounds like everything is okay there. I'm sure the Cubs and Brad will be monitoring that heart situation, of course, uh, but sounds okay and that he's going to do his best to be back out there and ready for opening day. So uh, it complicated situation, I suppose, but one that hopefully has been taken care of and can take a turn for the better. Uh, Getting into what we saw this week, Brendan, we saw the debuts since we last spoke when we came to you on Tuesday morning. John Lester made his debut later that day. Kyle Hendricks followed him the next day. We saw Yu Darvish make his first spring training start. So getting a look at a lot of these guys that we have been waiting to see, and I think there is no better place to really begin our discussion in earnest today than with you. Darvish. You Darvish uh, coming into his first start and throwing two solid innings. He did get tagged by Orlando Arcia for a leadoff home run. Good to know right off the bat, Brendan, that uh, Arcia is going to continue to be still a thorn it. in our side. The guy has like a career 650 OPS, but the the Cubs just can't figure out how to pitch to him. But obviously this is a spring training game. He jumped on a fastball, not a big deal. Uh, but Darvish goes two innings. He allows two hits, one of those, the aforementioned home run. That was the only run he allowed. No walks. Good to see that trend continuing from the second half of 2019 and three strikeouts. But I think the big, and I think we're all ready and, and expecting Brendan to gush over you, Darvish. So I will turn it over to you in a second here. But I think the lead from this is Darvish, his command looked good. And he was pumping 98, which even he said after the game was not necessarily normal for him this early uh, in the process. But man, uh, with the second half that you Darvish had last year and seeing him come out and pump 98 in his first start is really, really exciting. We've seen his confidence shine through in a lot of the interviews he's done over this offseason, a lot of the tweeting that he's done. Obviously, he's the king of Cubs Twitter. Uh, no one is safe from a U Darvish roast. And that confidence that we've seen, you know, through his actions throughout the offseason, really looking like it is is carrying over into the field. And he's talked about how good he feels, how this is, you know, some of the best he's ever felt in his career, especially with that fastball. And not to get carried away with one start, obviously, but it, him coming out and throwing gas like that and just, just being able to, I think, see that confidence that that we were all perceiving towards the end of last year into this offseason, getting him back on the mound is is really exciting. And when we talk about this rotation and, and what this Cubs team needs to hit that higher percentile outcome for this season, you Darvish being a top-of-the-line starter, a top starter in the National League in Major League Baseball, like he was in the second half of 2019, might be at the top of the list of things that you really need to see happen for this Cubs team to uh, get where they want to be in 2020. You could not ask for a better start to spring training for Darvish. And he was asked about his velocity. <laughs> it's This is like classical you Darvish at this point. So he was asked, why are you throwing faster now at this point than you were last year? And he said, quote, no idea why. 
I'm kind of worried I may have taken something supplement-wise in the offseason, end quote. So that's like classic Hugh Darvish at this point. But he did have some more insight, which caught my attention and kind of relates to most of these other pitchers, too, that we'll touch on. But he was also saying, quote, my spin efficiency is getting better. So that's why hitters swing and miss a lot. I feel very comfortable. I was throwing hard last year, but my spin efficiency was not good enough. That's why hitters did not swing and miss as often, especially lefties. But this year, I feel different, so I can get more swings and misses against lefties. So Corey, why did that catch my attention? Well, Darvish is one of the most heavy spin rate guys in the league, but that's different from spin efficiency. You have spin rate, you have spin efficiency. They are mutually exclusive. And there are other pitchers the Cubs have acquired this offseason where they have top tier spin rate, but their spin efficiency does not match. And that means the spin rate is not translating to actual movement. And there's a few guys in the Cubs roster like Dan Winkler and Ryan Tapera, two guys who have spin rates that are good, but spin efficiencies that are not. And one guy in particular who pitched a couple days ago, Adbert Alvzolai, he has a spin efficiency for his curveball that is really poor compared to the rest of Major League Baseball. And that's data tracked from last year, so it might be a small sample, but his curveball in particular only has about a 50% spin efficiency rate. That's just looking at it, looks to be in the bottom 20% of baseball. Alzolai was a guy known for his curveball, but it's not translating to actual movement right now. So to see Darvish not only talk about his velocity, but actually mention spin efficiency, that's the first time I've heard any Cubs player or executive use spin efficiency in that manner. And it got my attention and I think it's very exciting. Yeah. Listening to Darvish talk and just the way that he obviously sees the game and and studies his pitching has become really fascinating. And I think it was, I don't remember if we mentioned this on the last episode, but there was an article in The Athletic where he was talking about the Cubs staff sending him some stuff and some trends to look at and and things to monitor as he was coming to camp that that he would want to be working on and that you know maybe they'd get in the pitch lab and talk about whatever and Darvish's response was like they send me this stuff but I already knew about it I already had <laughs> yeah. looked at that and figured that out so yeah, like that. you can tell that this guy is dialed in on what he is doing what he can be doing to get better and I, I think we you know you have obviously contrasts like Lester always talks talks about how a lot of that stuff isn't really for him, you know, and maybe if it can be repurposed to be disseminated to him in a different way, he'll figure it out. But uh, Darvish is kind of the opposite end of that spectrum. He seems like the type of guy that digs into every number, every piece of technology, whatever he can get his hands on to zone in on what he's doing and what he can be doing to get better. But a very exciting debut from him. Uh, obviously, we will look for that to continue uh, as he keeps going out there. But uh, yeah, man, like, you know, in, in some of those at-bats, he's sitting in the in the low 80s with some of the breaking stuff, dialing it up to 98. It's uh, rather exciting. It's, it's, you know, you file that under things you love to see is the way that Darvish pitched in that game and always good to see his confidence just uh, shining through. So, after Darvish, I, since you brought him up, we, we have a few 
areas to go to here today, given what we saw uh, this past week. But one guy I did want to talk about was Adbert Alzali, who you brought up, and not not a great start to his spring. Uh, he's he's gotten roughed up in the, in the couple outings that he's had, and he's one of those guys who was coming into the 2020 season with somewhat of an uncertain role, right? Like, I, I think that he probably had a chance to make that rotation, you know, if Chatwood wasn't good or if he was spectacular. Could he be a guy that they put in the bullpen? Do they want to keep him stretched out? A lot of, a lot of questions around Alzali, obviously someone who, uh, you know, w- was able to make uh, quite the first impression when he debuted in 2019, uh, but but a rough go of it to start the spring. And, and obviously, you're not trying to to read too much into the stat lines for spring training. Uh, but with such a a tight competition, with so many names competing for these bullpen spots, competing even for the that last uh, fifth and final spot in the rotation, you know, this is definitely maybe put him behind the eight balls. Is that kind of how you see it? And 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 what are, you know, it's only been a couple outings, right? So th- there's still time. Uh, but as I said, to start the show, like the Cubs are playing regular season baseball games this month, I, I, as crazy as it is, like we are pretty close to, uh, as the boys like to say, strapping it on and, and getting going here in, in the regular season. So what, if anything, have you made of Alzali's start to this Cactus League slate, has your perception of what his role might be changed? Uh, because I, I think he was one of those guys that a lot of people look to, you know, one of the the higher touted prospects from the last few years in this Cubs system. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people were maybe hoping he could hit that next level and, you know, be somewhat of an X factor wherever he landed, either uh, the rotation or more likely, you know, getting some, some relief uh, appearances. Yeah, I think people were looking at him maybe to be a little bit of an X factor, uh, you know, for a team that didn't make a lot of outside additions. But but what have you seen from him so far in these these few outings? Keep your whole home running like clockwork from the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet. You'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Did you know Geico's now offering an extra 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies? That's 15% on top of what Geico could already save you. So what are you waiting for? Your teenager to help around the house? Okay, Mom, I emptied the dishwasher, vacuumed the basement, and folded the sheets out of the dryer. Wait, what? Oh, and next, I'm going to clean Mitten's litter box. Are we in some kind of prank show or something? That's a camera, isn't it? There's never been a better time to switch to Geico. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Limitations apply. Visit geico.com for details. Alzolai more than likely is not going to start with the big league club. And, and that's okay. He's still someone who needs to develop. He had some arm injuries at the tail end of the last season, which when he came back from his, his control was off for whatever reason. So I feel as if, he, if he's going to make the rotation... That's a long shot, but if he were to make the rotation, it's because two guys, Chatwood and Mills, kind of fell off the table for for whatever reason in the next month. Just not going to happen. And you never want to put too much stock in spring training performance, as you alluded to, but you do want to put stock into what these guys are working on during spring training. And we know Chatwood has been working on his command, and he's been working on changing some of his pitch usage continuously, and he changed it dramatically last year from 2018. 
So those are the trends to follow. You can you you want to see some success come with it, but it's not the end all be all. And so because it seems like the Cubs are still continuing to work with some of Alzali's pitches, I would be surprised if he makes the big league team. I still have high hopes for him, but for him to get to that next level, he's going to have to optimize some of his pitches, some of his spin efficiencies. And again, it's back to that curveball. That's his main secondary pitch, the changeup that he was throwing last year. He developed that after his curveball. His spin for his changeup, that efficiency is 80%. That's right around league average. Again, for his curveball, 50% in the lower 20% of all major league pitchers. So if they can go in and find why the spin efficiency for Alzolai is not working, then that's going to spike his performance and his value. But for him to figure that out, it seems as if that's going to be done in AAA. And it seems as if, given what we've heard from Chatwood, from Hadevi, it's his job to lose, more or less, with Mills kind of waiting in the wings. And that's okay. I don't think Alzelai's spring performance is going to change any of my opinions for worse. I kind of expected this. And I hope in the first few months at AAA, he can come in, fix what needs to be fixed, and be a valuable contributor, hopefully by June even. This week, we saw a lot more of the guys competing for those bullpen spots. And as we've talked about a lot, the Cubs have a lot of very interesting names, a lot of guys with really good stuff, uh, a lot of guys with similar issues, uh, you know, mainly that it is about that command and being able to throw strikes and uh, repeat those mechanics reliably. Uh, so I wanted to ask if anybody in, in that regard, Brendan, has has stuck out to you uh, since we last spoke to everybody uh, for for me, I you know we we talked about him when they when they brought him in, uh, but I am you know at least somewhat intrigued. Uh, someone who I don't think we've talked about a lot in uh, the left-hander C.D. Pelham, who came over from the Texas yep. Rangers. Uh, just an interesting guy to keep an eye on. Left-hander throws with you know a, a slightly different arm slot, uh, throws hard. And just watching him in, uh, I think it was the game on Saturday. I think he came in a few after Darvish. Uh, just an interesting guy and, you know, just another one of those names. I mean, we've talked about a lot of these guys a lot. Some of these guys have been in the organization for a little while, guys like Dwayne Underwood, etc. cetera. Uh, but Pelham is one of those guys who I think Saturday was the first time I had seen him pitch uh, in a Cubs uniform in one of these games. And intriguing, you know, not not necessarily to say that he's got to make the team or, or that he's great or anything like that. But just one of those guys who in these last few weeks of spring training, uh, I'm going to be curious when he's out there, just because I think especially as a lefty, somebody that throws hard, just an interesting name to uh, keep an eye on. Yeah, no, Pelham caught my attention too. And he was someone that was not on my radar until you mentioned him, you know, offhand here. So he's someone to watch. He's He throws gas, like you said, uh, he throws faster than lefties by, it looks like looking at this, more than 95% of major league lefties. And he has some pretty interesting dropping action, Corey, on that four seam. So not only is he throwing that pitch faster than 95% of baseball, but he has more dropping action on that pitch than 85% of baseball. That's hard to get that type of combination, I feel like. So he's one to watch for. I think Scott Efres is someone to watch for as well. Evan Altman was talking to Scott in the offseason, but he's someone who changed dramatically 
how he's throwing the baseball. And he's not going over the top anymore with his delivery, but has dropped his release point to kind of like, I'm trying to find the right comparison. I want to say like Pat Neshek territory a little bit, maybe a little bit lower, but he's someone that could come in against a particular righty and just change up the perception of the opposing team. And it'd be interesting too, if you can max and mix and match with C.D. Pelham and Scott Efres, two guys with an unorthodox release point, that could be valuable. It's it's hard to imagine where all these players are going to fit in with the team at this point, but it's still fun to watch. I, I, I think Efros and Pelham, their ability to make the roster is going to be a little bit more challenging just because you, you have so many other guys. We've already seen Tommy Hadovy work with Trevor McGill, and last spring, McGill was working heavy on his slider. And he said, quote, the big thing right now is getting into the lab, working on my curveball and making that a swing and miss pitch along with my slider. Last spring, my slider was my go-to. This year, the curveball is getting more of that workload so I can have three pitches in my arsenal that are swing and miss. That's amazing, Corey, to have someone within the first few weeks already expressing confidence in a curveball based on a data-driven approach that's how the bullpen is going to take that next step. And that's something we haven't seen before Hadevi was hired. We saw a little bit last year and the pitch lab was coming into its own, but underestimating the impact of Craig Breslow as the director, you can't do it. I, I really, among all the storylines this year, Craig Breslow, Tommy Hadevi has to be up top my list because if they can get some of the guys to develop in the system, you can massively fix a hole which has been and continues to be pitching development. So to see someone come into the organization, already add in a curveball based on Hadevi and Breslow and have success and confidence with it, that's a big deal to me. Yeah, so let's stay with Tommy Hadovy. He was uh, doing the mid-game interview on Marquee on Sunday afternoon, and he did drop that we will see Jose Quintana back out there, uh, you know, to make his debut. And he also said that we should see Craig Kimbrell at some point this week. Uh, so those two things you can look forward to, as we talked about Kimbrell, kind of on his own private schedule just to get him ready and where he needs to be, uh, but he will get in there every now and again. So that is something to look for. And I want to stay on Hadavi because there was a good piece uh, about Jose Quintana, the aforementioned Jose Quintana, and his changeup and, and what he's working on there and working on with Tommy Hadavi. So piggybacking off of you talking about those adjustments, uh, I think talking about Q for a second and, and what you might expect there with that changeup uh, is a good place. Because I think, again, you know, there, there are a lot of keys to success for the Cubs in 2020. And, you know, I don't mean to act like everything is a key to success, right? But when you don't make a lot of, or any really, outside adjustments, bringing in free agents or trades or, or, you know, major impact players like that, these are the things that matter. And Quintana being able to, uh, you know, take take another step in his career, you know, deliver a big season for this Cubs rotation would mean a lot to this group. Uh, I, I will say, 
And just as a side note, uh, and and I've noticed this a little bit with Lester too, uh, a lot of a lot of impressions seem to be that perhaps the ball is not as jumpy as it was in 2019. Uh, definitely some balls uh, hit in some of these Cactus League games that I was pretty sure were going to be home runs that are dying yeah. a little more than I think they did in 2019. And I only bring that up and I, you know, I'm not, I haven't done the science on this, right? I'm not at home cutting the balls open. But Q in particular, along with Lester, somebody who that's really important for, right? They don't necessarily get as many whiffs as someone like Darvish, perhaps. Uh, And having those, you know, cheap fly balls go for home runs makes a big difference in the effectiveness uh, for those two lefties. So, but Talk to us about that changeup, Brendan. What what are they working on? What are you expecting to see? How can that change the Jose Quintana that we have come to know in his time with the Cubs? Well, he's been a two-pitch pitcher, and last year they tried to spike that changeup usage, but he just was not feeling comfortable using that pitch. And he said that. He said, quote, most of the time, I don't feel my changeup well. And when I throw the pitch, I don't get swings. I need to throw other pitches. I've been using just two pitches most of the time. But when I'm locked in, I use all my stuff and the sequences get better, end quote. And that was talking to Tony Andraki at the Marquee Sports Network. So good stuff from Q there. And it's funny, too, when you hear Quintana talk about this, it kind of validates the discussions we've been having for years with Q. And it is centered on being a two-pitch guy. The reason John Lester has been successful throughout the entirety of his career, because Lester throws Corey, and you know this, he throws five pitches. Q has been exhaustively a curveball, fastball guy, and he mixes in a four-seamer and two-seamer sporadically and somewhat inconsistent by month. But he needs another pitch, and he knows that. So last year, Q came out of spring training, and he was throwing changeups pretty well, I thought. He was throwing a changeup 13% of the time, and he was getting whiffs on the pitch. He was getting a whiff on the changeup 18% of the time, which is slightly above league average by about 2%. But as the year went on in 2019, he started to use the curveball less, and that's maybe because he was not getting as many whiffs on the pitch. So at the year end of 2019, he started to throw the changeup more. So you went from starting the year throwing a lot of changeups to midway kind of foregoing the pitch, cutting that usage in half, and then by year's end, went back to that changeup. Not surprisingly, that coincided with him not having a good stretch of pitching. He was probably searching for a different answer. So that's what we're going to be focusing on, is how do you get Q to be more consistent? And their target is to change his usage, change his sequencing, and literally add in a changeup. So we'll monitor that in his first start, but it's a difficult pitch. I mean, John Lester has been trying to work on that pitch for years, I feel like, and he threw it at about a three times greater clip last year than when he debuted with the Cubs, but still, it's not one of his main pitches. So if Q can get that changeup, get more whiffs, get more ground balls, that would be an amazing addition to his performance. And in addition to his changeup, they've been talking about throwing elevated fastballs. Both he and Hendricks, I feel like we're on the same trajectory last year, almost at the same time. Both of them started throwing fastballs up in the zone, 
which is interesting, especially for Hendricks, given that he only throws 85 to 88 miles per hour. And Q similarly does not throw that fast around that 92-93, which is actually pretty fast for a lefty, but you get the point. So I think that's what we have to monitor. We have to monitor, is he going to be throwing changeups more? And if he's not going to be throwing changeups more, is that because he has no confidence in it or he wants to kind of hide the pitch and use it at a more opportune time to get swings and misses? But that's got to be the the one thing of the entire rotation, Corey, to monitor is Q's ability to adapt because we can't have Q go into the year pitching like he did last September. We need some consistency, especially with some of the age issues we have on the on the rotation. Uh, it'd be nice for him to come back and be consistent, add in another changeup, get those whiffs, get those ground balls, and kind of come into his own. You know, again, you lose Cole Hamels. You're going to see what Tyler Chatwood can do in that fifth spot, assuming he keeps that spot throughout the rest of this spring, which I would likely expect him to, barring some, uh, you know, major blow up. Uh, but, you know, you're trying to replace how good Hamels was in, in his time with the Cubs when he was healthy. Uh, and, you know, Q being able to kind of elevate his game or, you know, even uh, get back to some of that top level success that he had with the White Sox uh, would be a, a major key for that. And just going to what I was talking about uh, in some of his better years with the White Sox, that home run per fly ball ball rate uh, much lower than it was in these last few years uh, with the Cubs. So that's something if he can keep the ball in the park, he's a, a obviously, like anyone else, a much more effective pitcher. But that's something to keep an eye on as he makes his debut this week and hopefully is feeling better. He's obviously hasn't pitched yet uh, in the Cactus League because he was dealing with that flu. So hopefully he was able to get that strength back up and is uh, not too far behind where he otherwise would have been after dealing with that. But I want to transition now, Brendan, to the second base position. That is one of those spots uh, that I think is open for business in a lot of ways as far as who is going to get that playing time. A few names uh, seeing a lot of time there, and I think one of those positions that perhaps we'll check in on once a week or, or something like that as things are going on. I think the primary names to look at, obviously, are going to be David Bodie, Jason Kipnis, Daniel Descalso, and Nico Horner. Uh, not expected, I don't think, to break camp with the MLB team. A lot of talk of him, you know, starting in the minors to just sort of get that last bit of seasoning on onto uh, hopefully a finished product soon. Uh, and then some combination of those other guys, maybe Ian Happ mixing in there every now and again if he's not playing in center field or some outfield position. Uh, but anything jumping out to you in the early going of, of how I think you and I both would like to see that position flesh out the same way when things are all set and done. Uh, but anything about the early going changing your mind about that? How do, you, how do you think that competition is going? Do you have a an, an idea of where you expect that to land? Uh, talk to me about second base here. What I've seen from Bodie this spring suggests that he's making useful adjustments. And Bodie's been going through, and we know this, past three years, he's gone through a career renaissance of sorts, and he's changed so many things, even when he was in double A, all the way up to the bigs. 
And last year, he was going through and mixing and matching so many different types of batting mechanics from his movement, from his pre-pitch movement, from his uh, stance openness, from his toe depth, like all these weird things to talk about. But he was searching for something that clicked. And I feel like that's why Bodie's season in 2019 seems so weird because his overall numbers were pretty good. He had a a Woba of 327, Corey, which is really good, but it doesn't seem like he was that valuable to the team last year. Maybe that's just my bias, but that's what I feel like. And some of the month-to-month numbers, for example, in July last year, he had a weighted on base average of 252 with a WRC plus of 50. Like not not acceptable, right? Comes back in August, a weighted on base average of 500. And I know he went to AAA. I get it. I get it. But the point being is he was going through these ups and downs last year and using, adapting seemingly like in an inconsistent way. So what I've seen this spring is a noticeably quieter approach, a noticeably more upright approach, kind of like what Al Mora is doing. And with Bodie, he's a little bit more open the hand placement is a little bit higher, and the pre-pitch movement is dramatically less than last year. And it's kind of going back to some of the logic, too, with Chris Bryant, because he's also uh, heightening his posture. And we know he's talked about it, and we talked to people around the league. That intention is to improve the whiff rate against high pitches. And you know where I'm going with this. With Bodie, the reason he was going through those bad stretches last year, he could not hit the high fastball. So maybe that's some of the intention with Bodie too. Become more upright, quiet your pre-pitch movement, and you can get to those high fastballs with more consistency. But if it were up to me, I want to see Bodie get the chance like consistently, like 80% of the plate appearances from opening day. I know Kipnis is there. That's great. And I know he needs to get chances too. But having Bodie come into his own, be a consistent, well above league average offensive contributor He's also, in my opinion, a better defender than Jason Kipnis. The numbers at second base for Bodie are actually better than that at third base. I want to see Bodie get more chances. I don't think it's going to happen, and I will be okay with it. I think Kipnis, there's an argument to be made that he should be getting chances too, especially against Radis, which he has about league average production against even at his worst times. But my curiosity is just spiked for Bodie. Um, I want to see what he's going to get an opportunity to do with consistent playing time and how that actually translates to success because I'm optimistic about him. Maybe I'm irrationally optimistic about him, but he has such a weird trajectory and he's had times of just locked in performances that it makes me think that with some slight tweaks as he's doing right now, that can be more of the norm. In the interim, if the plan is to start Nico in the minors to let him, you know, get that last bit of seasoning, like I said, I would like the majority of that time to be going to Bodie uh, and then Kipnis getting, you know, some opportunity to show what he's got left in the tank and and that. I, I, I would prefer, you know, now you have that 26th roster spot this season, so how they're going to shake that all out, we'll see. Uh, David Ross has talked a little bit about, you know, possibly carrying a third catcher, so, you know, we'll see how they ultimately decide to do that, uh, but I would prefer the group be Bodie and Kipnis. We've gone on this a million times, and he's got guaranteed money, so I'm not really sure how I expect this, but 
I'm just I, I I don't really want to see this Galso get an opportunity. <laughs> I, I really don't. Uh, if if he shows the rest of the spring that there is some reason for that, then I I suppose I'm all for it. Uh, but as it started now, you know, Kipnis has been the better hitter. Uh, he's got a, I think a 760 OPS on the spring. Descalso's at 322. Uh, I think that they likely, I know that a lot has been made about Descalso's veteran presence and, and what that all means to the clubhouse. And I definitely don't want to downplay that, but I would imagine, and certainly reading a little bit from Jordan Bastion of Cubs and MLB.com, who was previously with the Cleveland Indians beat, you know, he talks about Kipnis in a very high regard in terms of what he brings to a clubhouse, how the younger and even other older players looked at him and and how they saw him as a leader and how he's one of those guys that's not afraid to be on the front line, speak up and you know, try to make his opinion known and, and, and you know, be valuable to those young guys, etc. So I would imagine that Kipnis can provide that in a similar sense. Uh, I'm not in the clubhouse, so perhaps I'm off base on that. That's, that's always fair. Uh, but I, I think he has that reputation of being able to provide that. And, you know, again, like for the millionth time, like, they just don't have time for this. And unless he's showing you something that is vastly different than what you saw in 2019, I know he was hurt. I know he, his numbers were, you know, certainly fine for a bench roll uh, before he got hurt. But there, there's just not a lot of time for this. The Cubs spent way too much time, and we've gone over this ad nauseum, how much time they spent trying to get certain guys going and, and giving them playing time to try to turn things around, right? And when you don't make those major changes, you just don't have time for it. You got to be playing your best guys. You got to be playing the guys that have earned those opportunities. And, you know, far be it from me, like, okay, Kipnis has a 760 OPS this spring, Descalso's 320. That doesn't, you know, that's not the be-all, end-all. These are spring training numbers. But Kipnis has a much better track record of having you know, some real big years in, in, in Major League Baseball and, and for some teams that, that had a lot of success. And if he's able to tap into that at all, if he's able to get back to that even a little bit, I think you defer to that than Descalso, who really had one good year uh, of, you know, kind of breaking out. And, and, you know, you just look at the rest of his career and it's, it's an outlier. So, um, I, I don't want to harp on this too much and it's only spring training. We've only been going for a little over a week here. Uh, and I, I would think that David Ross and his team and, and, and everybody, Anthony Iaposi, you know, they may be seeing different things in the workouts, in the games that, that we're not seeing and, and they'll ultimately make that decision and I trust them to, but I'm just saying, like, I think <laughs> right now, if we're we're updating our feelings on this, like I think you you want to let Bodie take that shot to develop into the player that he's shown some of those signs to be. You know, we always talk about how high he ranks on those exit velo charts and stuff like that. Like, let him try to get in there and and be that guy, especially if he can clean up some of those routine errors that he makes in the field that are always kind of confounding. Like, I think you've got a really valuable player there for a, a rather cheap contract. And I think, you know, Kipnis is, is showing a little bit right now in, in the spring, and I think he can bring that that veteran presence uh, just as much as Descalso can. So that's where I am, but I don't know. You know, again, like Descalso's on that guaranteed contract, and, you know, with how tight they're being with money and how everything is, is, has worked, 
I, I don't necessarily know how they're going to approach that, but my, my, my main point is I just don't want to see too much time given to seeing what somebody's got left in the tank. If Kipnis or Descalso are showing you that it's there and you want to try to keep it going and tap into it, fine. But if it's not there, let's recognize it's not there and, you know, try to go a, a different direction. And, you know, especially when you have someone like Bodie who's on the younger side, who you can still see some of that upside with, you want to try to get that going, not worry about, you know, some of these older guys who aren't really going to be with the organization for too long or who, you know, are obviously on the back ends of their career. But that's where I am with the second base position, uh, that along with center field. You know, the primary position battles going on with the Chicago Cubs right now. And I, I think, you know, you, you have to be pretty pleased if you are uh, the front office, Ross, and everybody with how Ian Happ and Albert Almora have looked in the Cactus League slate so far. Obviously, Almora uh, hit his second home run of the spring on Sunday. He is off to a red-hot start, which is similar to what we saw in the spring last year from him. Uh, and Ian Happ, I think, looks really good as well. So I think uh, that is one of those positions where I think right now, you know, both of those guys are looking very good. I'm not sure exactly how the staff is going to deploy them or, you know, who may get the lion's share of that playing time. I certainly hope it's Hap. I think uh, you guys can obviously predict that Brendan and I think he has uh, much more upside than Almora. And despite a hot spring, I think Almora, you know, still has a lot to prove that he's made those changes from last year. But as we talked about last week, it's good to see these guys performing. They both look good. I think they both have a little bit of confidence about them. And, you know, I think unlike last year where we were kind of surprised that Hap didn't make the club out of camp, uh, you know, I think both of these guys know they're they're going to break camp with this team. They're going to have some role. Uh, and I think they both look pretty confident in, in themselves going into 2020. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity X1 gives you the most complete entertainment experience with everything from live TV to your DVR to on-demand favorites and your streaming apps. Just use your voice remote to easily find what you want to watch. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. Kaiser is off the chain. Everything is in one place for you. Your x-ray will be done there. The doctor will see you there. The labs are there for you. And then the nurses that work with you at Kaiser, they make you feel so at home. They're there to meet your needs. I would not be alive today if I had not had Kaiser Permanente. I feel really, really great knowing there's a place that I can go to make sure that I can maintain good health on a regular basis. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan, the Middle United States, 2101, East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. With Amora and Hap, they both are very different players. They both bring very different approaches to the lineup. We have Amora, who might be more of a contact-first guy, and with Hap, he's going to be a power-first guy, but without some of the excess strikeouts, if those changes he made last year continue. But at this point, you got to give Hap the hand here. I... I, I like Amora as a person. I respect how he's come to a point where he needs to make these adjustments, but 
look, man, like Hap was in AAA for three months last year, came up and finished a year with a th- almost a 370 weighted on base average. It looks like the adjustments were working for him. And a lot of the success came in the last few weeks of the season. So with Hap, if he can become, man, like even slightly above league average offensively, that utility as someone who can play center field and left and right field and second base at times and maybe spell Rizzo at first base or KB at third base every now and then too, that is so valuable. And I know Amora is crushing the ball right now. I know it's easy to get caught up in the numbers in spring training, but you know, just be aware of some of the dangers with that. Last year, Almora Corey was destroying spring training too. I, I remember looking back at some of the blogs that Evan wrote because I was trying to find how Almora was doing uh, last year in spring. And because he was doing so well, I forgot this was even a discussion. But Madden was talking about using Almora as a leadoff hitter last year because of that. And with Ross, a complete polar opposite contrast. You have him talking about KB as that leadoff guy. So I think I have confidence that Ross is not going to overinterpret what he's seeing from some of his players. I don't think he's going to throw it out completely, but I think he knows what to expect from Hap. I think he's a he's a, he's curious about Amoris changes, but I feel from day one, if the intention is to come out of the gate with some expectation of consistency. And if we're seeing KB at leadoff because Ross wants that consistency, then my bet would be Hap is going to get that first chance in center field. And if he faults, then Omora may get more of the playing time. But I, I I like that philosophy. I like Hap getting the majority of the chances here and rolling with it. And I like Almora against lefties, perhaps, if these changes are going to last. He could be a useful guy on the opposite side of a platoon for multiple guys, uh, including even Jason Hayward in right field with Steven Souza. Yeah, I, I would agree. And, and again, I think my focus here uh, is on if Almora can make those changes, be successful, and contribute in a more limited role. And I think that that would be very beneficial to this team, obviously. But I I think uh, giving Ian that shot and the lion's share of that playing time to be the center fielder uh, with his ceiling is the way to go. And I I think he looks good right now. And hoping that these changes work and carry over for Albert into the regular season and that when he gets those starts, when he gets those pinch hit opportunities, etc., he can really thrive in that role. I think that's that's probably the, the, the spot best suited for him if it works out. Uh, and so that's that's what I would hope is that this this translate to. But like you said, I mean, he was red hot in spring last year and that did not translate to the regular season. So, and that's true for, you know, a lot of people, like some guys have bad springs, doesn't translate to the regular season. So a lot of this is, you know, just keeping an eye on how guys look and, and hoping that things uh, continue over these last few weeks of spring training and into when the games count. But I did want to note uh, as we wind down here on this particular episode of the Cubs related podcast, I did want to note uh, something really, really beautiful in uh, that one of these games this weekend, and that was the game starting with Chris Bryant getting a leadoff single and scoring from first on 
and Anthony Rizzo oppo double to the left center gap. This was uh, in the February 28th game. And we, you know, obviously we've talked about Chris Bryant in the leadoff spot. We've talked about uh, how he, in that first game, came up in his second at bat and already had and delivered on an RBI opportunity. But this in particular feels like a way we can see a lot of Cubs games start in the 2020 season, and I think was a picture-perfect example of the logic and thinking into having Chris Bryant as your leadoff hitter and following him with Anthony Rizzo, starting games with Brizzo, and letting things go from there, right? Figuring out the rest from there. And we, we talked about it. Chris has that speed that changes changes the game a little bit, right? He's, he's not necessarily the fastest player in the league, but he runs like a gazelle. And if you watch this clip when Rizzo hits the double, you know, right, if you've been watching Chris Bryant his whole career, if you've been listening to us or, or anything, right, you knew he was going to score right away. The minute the ball landed, you saw where the fielders were, you're like, okay, that's a run right away. And it was just exciting because that that really feels like a way we can see things happen for this team a lot. Chris gets on, he worked the count a little bit. I think it was I think he saw six or seven pitches in this at bat, gets the single, gets on, immediately comes in uh, at Rizzo, and by the time the third batter is up, the Cubs are already up one to nothing. It was beautiful and I, I think an exact execution of th- the plan here, Brendan. Yeah, Chris Bryant uh, is faster than league average guys, which is crazy to think about given his size. But as far as third basemen go, he ranks number six in Major League Baseball in sprint speed. That is for, you ready for this, 56 qualified third basemen from last year. So he ranks number six out of 56 players. That's insane to think about, especially because Bryant is a power hitter and an average hitter. That's wild. He's a complete player. But also, too, it was fun to see Javi take walks over the last week. And he was joking about it, but not joking about it as well. He said, quote, if it's not a strike, I'm trying not to swing at it. I'm working on it. I'm starting backward, not swinging 100%. I've been taking that approach. I just don't want automatic swinging on 3-2. I look in the dugout and everyone is laughing. So, I mean... We, we know some of the issues with Javi at times, and Joe Madden used to say this, but he's almost like a golfer out there bringing the driver, just going up there and just slamming the ball. And Madden did say when he starts uh, laying off those outside sliders, he's going to become Manny Ramirez. The next step in Javi's development might be to improve those outside swing rates and laying off some of those pitches that are outside the zone. Easier said than done, and we know that, but it's encouraging to me, at least seeing Javi already taking the steps in a positive way, having success, and not swinging at those bad pitches as much as he was last year. I know it's spring training. I know the pitchers are working on stuff. I know it's not your traditional sequencing that he's going to see, but it's on his mind, and I think it's definitely worth monitoring. Yeah, that's that's a tough change to make, especially for a guy like Javi. Uh, and and we've noted before, like how sometimes he's able to get hits on pitches that just no one else is able to get hits off of balls that are you know half a centimeter off the ground or a foot above his face, right? And he still manages to poke them through for hits. Uh, but 
Yeah, like it's just one of those things. Like, good luck to everybody if he starts spitting on some of those balls and and taking walks. I mean, <laughs> right, he, you know, it's just like a way for a really really good hitter to get somehow even better. Uh, it it would be quite something. But yeah, it has been funny. I think he's already walked four times in in spring, which is <laughs> uh, amazing. Uh, Robbie, yeah. But also. He hit his second home run of the Cactus League slate on Sunday, and the at Cubs gift it and and put it out there. But man, if you want one thing that just makes you say, "I need regular season baseball right now," Cubs are winning 150 games. Book it right, like just watch that gif on on the at Cubs feed. The way he he, I don't know if I would call it pimping it because it's just sort of his general swagger, I think, coming through. Uh, but the the recoil of of the bat, you know, coming around in his body and just the way that he like stares at it, ah, uh, it is a thing of beauty and and really one of those things where you go oh man like I am so ready for Chicago Cubs baseball to be back uh and you know these games count and and all that uh and getting back to uh KB for one moment before we uh sign off here uh I assume that most of you have seen this uh but you have to watch the after he left the game, Marquis doing these interviews. They had Hayward on today, but they're talking to one of the starters uh, with Taylor McGregor, just sort of like a, a post post game interview. Uh, you have to watch Chris Bryant talk about becoming a dad soon. He's going to be a dad, I, you know, I think within a month here or something along those lines. And uh, it was just the most wholesome interview you can possibly imagine. It's like Chris Bryant in a nutshell uh, in this interview, and particularly like the one quote he he goes from one thought to the other uh and he said you know i i was put on this earth to be a dad and also obviously i i play baseball pretty good too but i'm just so excited for this process just an amazing interview uh with taylor on the marquee network and chris bryant's just chris bryant man i mean there there's just nothing to uh not much to say more than that, but if you haven't seen that, uh, you should watch that. It's it's your feel-good Cubs content for the week, I think. Uh, but I, I believe that is all that we have for you on this edition. Big week, not necessarily uh, super earth-shattering news, but with, with the position battles the Cubs have, that bullpen battle, etc., um, every day, you know, you kind of have stuff to look at and performances to monitor, and you can kind of maybe see the gears turning in the front office and manager David's head a little bit, trying to figure out how all these these pieces are going to match up together. But uh we will keep an eye on it. And like I said at the outset, we are going to come to you now twice a week. Uh, barring something that I can't foresee uh, until the Cubs win the World Series, right, Brendan? And, you know, then we'll we'll figure out. Yep. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but we'll figure out how we'll talk about, you know, the, the parade and all that. I, I don't know if that'll be twice a week. I, you know, bo- I might be on another bender. It's hard to Maybe, tell. Maybe uh, we'll live stream from the parade. Yeah, that? yeah. We're, we're, you know what? We're getting ahead of ourselves here uh, yeah. just a little bit. But 
throughout the duration of the season. If you are a new listener to the show, uh, we come to you twice a week. We do before and after every series. So obviously one series always finishes on Sunday. We will come to you the following Monday morning. And then whenever that series uh, during the week shakes out, if it's a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday series, you'll hear us on Thursday morning. If it's a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday series, you will hear us on Friday morning, etc. But we do pre and post for every series that the Cubs play. We have found that that is a useful way of breaking down the discussion and containing it uh, to a few days uh, rather than, you know, kind of trying to cover the Cubs playing multiple teams and, and, you know, at home or on the road all at once. So that is how we do things around here. As far as spring training, uh, I think we will be doing Monday morning and maybe Thursday morning for now. Uh, If that changes, we'll we'll keep you up to date. Uh, But that is the plan for the duration of spring training. And like I said, it's March. So the Cubs play a baseball game, a real Major League Baseball game in the regular season that counts uh, in this particular month. So as I always caution, uh, try to try to enjoy these last few weeks of spring training uh, because it is about time to strap it on for real and get mm-hmm. this thing going. As always, we appreciate you guys listening. I mentioned before, uh, but if you have not yet done it, uh, if you could leave us a five-star review and a comment uh, as to why you like this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Uh, that would be most appreciated. And as always, like I would say, we welcome any feedback. Uh, if you have constructive feedback, even if it is the, the negative variety, tweet that to us. Uh, don't leave that in an iTunes review. That is not a, a helpful way for us to address the problem, uh, but we are always happy to talk things through, explain things. I am at CF Cubs Related on Twitter. Brendan is at Cubs Related. You can also reach us on Instagram at Cubs Related, and we are more than happy to uh, talk with you guys, hear your concerns, positive feedback, whatever it may be. Uh, but that is a, a more useful medium for getting those thoughts across uh, than the podcast reviews. We most appreciate the good and five-star podcast reviews. It helps us get seen and listened to by more people and keep bringing you this Cubs-related content. But as always, we thank you guys for listening. We will talk to you again soon. And don't forget, it is my birthday around when we are going to record next. You know, like, I just want to make sure you're all prepared. It's a big day. If I see you on my Twitter timeline wishing Kyle Schwarber a happy birthday, but not me, I will be offended. I'm, I'm just I'm just letting you know. I, I, I think that that's only reasonable, um, that I expect the same amount of attention as someone who actually plays for the Chicago Cubs. Uh, I, I think that's perfectly reasonable. Um, sure. But anyway... We thank you guys for listening. We will talk to you again this week. And as always, we end this show by saying, Go Cubs! Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity X1 gives you the most complete entertainment experience with everything from live TV to your DVR to on-demand favorites and your streaming apps. Just use your voice remote to easily find what you want to watch. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. 
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.